In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg. The Benton Township Board of Trustees has approved the site plan for the Chick-fil-A that's planned at 1917 Pipestone Road. At their Tuesday meeting, trustees heard from Township Building Official Chris Fuchs that the Planning Commission unanimously approved developer PEA Group's plan to tear down the old steak and shake and make way for the new Chick-fil-A. PEA Group Project Manager Leslie Accardo told us that an operator for the new restaurant has not yet been selected. Chick-fil-A has a unique model where they will have an owner-operator, and that person is typically selected about six months before the opening of the location. It's their full-time position, so they want to give them time to wrap up a job that they may be at, but also not too soon, so they're out of employment for a while. So what made Chick-fil-A want to open a location in Benton Harbor? Obviously, they look for locations that are going to have a great impact on their overall business. And a community like this where they're obviously wanted and excited about is always a plus. Fuchs noted Chick-fil-A has also purchased property from Brookfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram behind the former Steak and Shake to ensure it has enough room for customer vehicles. With the township board's approval, construction will start on the Chick-fil-A in the spring of 2024 with a possible fall opening. Township Supervisor Kathy Yates told us the board will not have to vote on the matter again. More money is headed to Michigan schools. Governor Gretchen Whitmer this week signed a $615 million supplemental state budget. Part of the money will help ease school district debt and support colleges. We are also investing in our public universities by funding on-campus projects that will ensure that we lead um, and build the future right here in Michigan. The supplemental forgives the debt of Benton Harbor area schools, among other districts. The bills also invest hundreds of millions of dollars from the Federal Highway Administration to fix roads and bridges across the state, as well as help Highland Park replace its nearly 120-year-old water system. Benton Harbor City Commissioners have tabled a proposed design for a monument to Dr. Martin Luther King, planned for Dwight P. Mitchell City Center Park, but that doesn't mean it won't get approved later, according to officials. At their Monday meeting, commissioners reviewed an amended plan for the Unified Civic Monuments Project proposal that included a few changes suggested by commissioners previously. However, Mayor Marcus Muhammad said the amended proposal still does not include the specific dimensions of the monument. When you render drawings and you're rendering specifications, really it should be clear about the square feet, how much is going to be taken up. Planning Commission requires that it's signed by architect. Muhammad noted the commission has already approved the installation of the monument at the park and supports the idea. He just wanted to get specifics like square footage on the plan. Designer Garth Woodruff didn't have those numbers, but described the monument. It is concrete. The base of it is. The table is granite. The wall is granite. I don't think that it's really deviated greatly from the original idea, other than some of the modifications that we talked about due to the community kind of giving pushback. Woodruff said he could get the dimensions to commissioners within a day. The changes include the addition of a window to a wall that's part of the monument and a dove added to that wall. Commissioners tabled the monument's design until they can get those specifics. Congressman Bill Heisinga has joined a group of colleagues to sign a letter to Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm asking for a swift review of a request by Holtec International for a loan to restart the Palisades nuclear power plant. Holtec is seeking a roughly $1 billion loan to fire up the currently shuttered plant in Van Buren County. Heisinger tells us as the nation looks toward its energy future, efforts like reviving the Palisades 
nuclear power plant makes sense. The real question is, is what kind of effort is there going on in getting some of these restarted? Because this may actually make more sense than trying to site a completely new facility. There's infrastructure that is in place, whether it's the security side, whether it's the overhead lines that are going to be bringing electricity out of there. A shuttered nuclear power plant in the United States has never been reopened. The letter says repowering Palisades could significantly grow the region's economy, strengthen our domestic energy security, and return safe, reliable, and carbon-free generation back to the electrical grid. Joining Heisinger and signing the letter were seven colleagues from Michigan and one from New Jersey. Holtec is hoping to learn if its loan is approved in early 2024. The Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy has released its 2023 Michigan State of the Great Lakes report. WSJM's Andrew Green reports. The report outlines ideas, actions, and challenges currently facing the lakes. In its 42 pages, the report covers progress cleaning up pollution in the Great Lakes, momentum behind fisheries management, strategies to combat invasive species, investments in clean marine transportation, and much more. Also covered are projects from the past year to protect the lakes, like a $100,000 effort to identify water conservation best practices, hiring a stewardship coordinator to improve Great Lakes literacy among Michiganders, and support for restoring Ox Creek in Benton Harbor. Regarding Lake Michigan, the report details the ongoing effort to keep the invasive carp from entering the Great Lakes via Chicago. It also cites the discovery of hydrilla, an invasive plant in Berrien Springs, as a possible threat. We have a link to the full report at our website. Andrew Green, WSJM News. The St. Joseph Middle School robotics team, Maze Blue and White, are home after completing a successful competition in Howell. Volunteer coach Ben Baker tells us they took part in the Michigan First Tech Challenge state championships. The teams played well against the other other groups. The Maze team and the Blue team were in separate divisions, and both of them were chosen to be in the finals there in separate divisions. And with that, the Maze team and our alliance partners were able to bring home the state championship. Baker says the teams all prepared for the competition separately, so they developed innovative solutions to the challenge. We had to pick up these small hexagons that they called pixels that were about two or three inches. We had to pick those up off the ground or from stacks and deliver those to the back of the field and place them on a backdrop. Baker says part of the challenge had the robots acting autonomously while the students took over later. This is the third year in a row the teams competed in the Michigan First Tech Challenge State Championships. This wraps up their season. Baker says competing in robotics teaches the students teamwork, engineering, problem-solving, and professionalism. A crowdfunding campaign has been launched to help purchase a wheelchair-accessible van for a five-year-old Stevensville girl. Laura Gomez tells us her daughter, Rosie Adams, has been disabled since birth. She has cerebral palsy and epilepsy due to HIE, which is a shortened version of brain damage or brain injury, which happened at birth. She's not able to walk without assistance. Gomez says Rosie is a lot like other five-year-olds and that she gets excited when it's time to go somewhere. However, the problem is she can't always go along. That's because it involves a lot of heavy work and lifting. They're raising funds online and hoping for community support to be able to afford a van. We switched from GoFundMe to an actual medical organization that collects funds on your behalf, and then you can only access them through a medical necessity. Previously, the community has come forward to help out by building a wheelchair ramp for Rosie's family so she could get in and out of her house. Gomez says people in the community just want to help a girl in need, and we have a link to the crowdfunding campaign at our website, wsjm.com, for anyone who wants to help. Artist Richard Hunt is being remembered as a friend to Benton Harbor. Following his death this past weekend, 
Krasil Arts Center director Tammy Favre tells us the Chicago-based Hunt opened his Benton Harbor studio in 1995 and had a working relationship with the Krasil ever since. Major examples are the 50-foot sculpture and UCs that rises from the south pier of the St. Joe River Channel, as well as the Rising Crossing Tides, a sculpture on the Krasil grounds commissioned in 2018. So many years and several projects in between there, we did exhibitions with him as well in our galleries, both of his artwork, of his collection of African art, as well as artwork by his studio assistants. Bauer says Hunt primarily worked in steel and could often be found welding the abstract pieces that made him world famous, although from Chicago, he frequently was found in Benton Harbor. He had several close friends here, but I also think that, that Richard was a public artist and he believed in the role of art in the public realm and what that could do for community. And I think he was really enamored with this idea of community renewal through the arts. Hunt donated his Benton Harbor studio to the Grazel this year, and Favre says they'll take it over and announce plans for it in the new year. She describes Hunt as a generous and kind person in the community. He dined at his home in Chicago this past weekend at the age of 88. The deadline to send things through the mail to have them arrive by Christmas has passed. Tuesday was the last day to get three-day shipping. The two-day shipping deadline is today, and UPS next-day delivery, the last day is Thursday. Eric Ladwig owns two UPS stores in Metro Detroit and says while you can't bring wrapped gifts through the TSA, you can send wrapped gifts through the mail. You can have it wrapped. Uh, These will go through x-rays and things like that when they get to the main hub after the drivers pick us up at night. So yeah, those can definitely be wrapped. And then we find the appropriate box, put the right amount of cushioning around it, and then we have multiple pickups during the day. And UPS has done a really good job of hiring additional staff to ensure that these packages do get there quickly. Ladwig says UPS will have normal delivery and pickup services through Saturday, but they'll be closed on Christmas and Christmas Eve. And after you've gotten your packages in the mail, perhaps you have to put yourself on an airplane. Millions of travelers are expected through Detroit Metro Airport this holiday travel season, and the TSA agents are making sure passengers are ready. Reggie Stevens is the TSA's Federal Security Director for Michigan. He told us more. It's very easy to say that we are well above where we were at pre-pandemic. Uh, this Thanksgiving, past Thanksgiving holiday definitely showed that. TSA has exceeded seven of its 10 busiest days in 2023 alone in our 20, over our 20-year existence. Stevens reminds travelers to check their bags before you leave for the airport. More than 45,000 travelers are expected to go through the metro airport just on Thursday, which is expected to be the Christmas peak. In the WSJM Newsroom, I'm Ken Lundberg.